Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Andrew Teacher, founder of Blackstock Consulting. Now, the outpouring of support for charities and good causes has been quite pronounced in recent weeks. But while big name charities often get all the limelight, it's often local groups, the guys without the massive marketing budgets for festivals and TV ads, who get a little bit left behind. Now, right now, charities should be doing their fundraising, holding spring fates, getting out there, raising money. But instead, they're under immense pressure. And when this crisis is done, many are likely to be fighting for survival. Now, the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation is a local community group based in West London that has supported many, many survivors from the Grenfell tragedy in recent years. And it's now mobilising to help vulnerable people isolated as a result of COVID-19. We're going to talk about how the foundation works with local partners such as Age UK and ask David Mercer, who's boss of fintech star Elmax Group, how he came to be involved. Elmax is a global high growth financial technology company. And as you'll hear in our chat, by the end, I think I've managed to convince David to put his hat in the ring to be Britain's next chancellor. Now recently, Elmax made a, a substantial donation, £250,000 to support the Kensington Chelsea Foundation. And as well as David, I'm going to be joined by local MP for Kensington, Felicity Buchan. And as well as that, Victoria Stewart-Todd, who's director at the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation, is going to explain a little bit how charities like hers are helping. And that's what I started by asking her to explain. Okay, so the foundation's been going since 2008, and it was set up by a local resident, Jeremy Raffaele, um, who'd become very aware during his time living in the borough that there were some significant social issues. So... A lot of people associate Kensington and Chelsea with um, great affluence and wealth. And of course, that is part of the story. Um, but there's also real pockets of deprivation. Um, we are the borough with the worst income inequality in the whole of London, for example. And there are other social issues around isolation and loneliness. We also have the largest number of single person households in the country. So his, his idea really was to bring together local people, businesses, um, residents, faith groups, to try and solve some of these problems. Um, so we've been going since then, since 2008. Um, and at the moment, our three kind of key priority areas are reducing isolation and loneliness, um, improving opportunities for children and young people, and improving skills and employment. So pre-COVID-19, those three areas were our kind of main priorities, and we were working really hard to raise as much money as we could to support local projects addressing those needs. Um, we'd also played quite a significant part in the response to the Grenfell Tower tragedy in 2017. Um, so we do have some experience in crisis response, but we weren't expecting to have to get involved in that so soon afterwards. So I joined in mid-November last year. Um, and then about four weeks ago, um, when the COVID-19 pandemic really started to escalate, we decided that it was really important to try and respond to the increasingly apparent need in our community to provide um, food and essential supplies to vulnerable people and to help local projects adapt some of their services because many of them were bringing people together um, from social isolation for face-to-face -face activities and of course that can't happen now so we've been um, running an appeal for the last four weeks and we've raised about 700,000 I think so far um, and we've been distributing that money across the borough to different um, projects and partners who are making a difference to our local residents. And, and one of those businesses obviously making a massive difference is Elmax Group and David Mercer's the CEO. David, Elmax Group, one of the most exciting fintech businesses over the last 10 years or so, nearly 10 years. And um, Tell us a little bit about how, how you guys have evolved and obviously you've made an extremely generous donation 
to the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation and, and you're based locally uh, and, and have been for, for a number of years. So what, 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 you know, how did this get on your radar? How as a business have you grown and, and, and where, where does giving back sit within the, the, your values as a, as a business? Thanks. Very highly is um, where it sits in terms of our priorities. I guess we've always tried to give back. So we're squarely a fintech company. I've got offices now in uh, 11 countries, but for the last decade, we've been located right here in W11. So, you know, we've, we've tried other charities that uh, help the youth. There's no such thing as bad charity, but just when this COVID-19 appeal happened, we looked at the borough around us and realized just what Victoria said, you know, we're looking at people who are struggling with mental health, isolation, loneliness, um, looking at the youth and thinking, okay, you know, how can we help this borough? Hopefully, you know, you can mobilize the, the, the charity cavalry. And if we all start locally and that networks out, then there should be no hunger, there should be no poverty in this borough, there should be none in this country, and probably there should be none in the world. So we were fortunate um, to find Victoria and the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation, and we're very pleased to be able to support it. Um, we wish we could do more, and uh, we will do more, and also, more importantly, I'd, I'd encourage all businesses that are located in this borough um, to help as much as they can and, and help their neighbours. And that's a really key thing, isn't it? I and mean, that this sense of, of helping work with organisations that, that almost step between the cracks of society and, and, and many, many uh, local charities and, and local groups that, that provide this kind of on-the-ground support have come under huge pressure, haven't they, over, over the last 10, 20 years. Um, where do you think, um, you know, what advice would you give to other organizations like the Kensington Chelsea Foundation that, that want to get on the radar of businesses such as yours because there's obviously uh, you know a, a lot of successful British fintech businesses that, that have emerged how you know how can charitable organizations get on your radar and, and almost make their case just start you know I mean Victoria knows better than me it's it's smile and dial it's using social media um, Look, we've done things locally before. We, we help a dis disability uh, sports charity every year locally. We helped out with food banks. But if I'm, if I'm honest, we normally go to the, the big hitters, the, the household brands, because they've got you know, greater budgets and, and greater reach. So partly we have, to, we have to put some effort in as businesses, but it works two ways. So I'm lucky the corporate development team and marketing team here um, had a look for what was around locally and we didn't have to look too far actually to find the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation so that's uh, well done to Victoria and the team and I think look we, we sit in between technology and finance and, and finance sometimes gets a bad name but there's been some significant contributions from some of the largest banks in the world and some of, the, some of my biggest trading partners um, so there is a willingness and there is a, an obligation that they feel within those organizations to help. But I think we need to filter that all the way down. Uh, I mean, for one, I've advocated a, a charity tax for some time. Tax is an emotive word, but mm -hmm. call it an optional tax. It's something I'd ask, uh, you know, I'd be looking for Felicity uh, and her peers to be considering. You know, I'd tick the box. 
right away if that was optional. Uh, I tick the box again if that was a corporation tax optionality. So make it easy for us. Of course, gift aid and um, all of those things help. So for for companies, I think we, especially if we're in boroughs like this, you know, I'm not in Canary Wharf. I'm not in the city of London. You know, I'm in W11, right in the middle of Kensington and Chelsea. And in the northern part of Kensington and Chelsea, which is less affluent, and we look around us and we need to help. And we do this in many ways. You know, we have an apprenticeship scheme. Again, I don't know which government brought it in, but it's a useful scheme. We use that. We have local um, guys and girls who come and enter the apprenticeship scheme at LMAX. And I hope they can progress with us and then in the, in the wider finance community after us. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. Really good point, sir. Felicity, just just on you know coming to you. What's your I mean? What's your response? I mean, you know, you've uh, you've been an MP uh, since well since the twelfth of December, so it's not not too long, um, and and a, a bit of a you know a bit of a baptism of fire, I guess. Uh, you know these these last four months, but you know, you must take a, a hell of a lot of inspiration from from everything you just heard. What 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 do you think government could be doing to to you know to respond to some of David's points? Well, first of all, I just want to say so well done to LMAX and to the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation. What you are doing in our borough and my constituency is just absolutely phenomenal. And I am very, very well aware, as uh, I think Victoria mentioned, that Kensington has got huge disparities between the wealthy and those not as well-to-do during my campaign last autumn and winter, one of the things that I did raise a lot was health inequalities. The difference in age expectancy in the north of our constituency to the south of the constituency is 16 years. And I want to address that. And it's by working with partners like the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation and LMAX that we can address those things. Uh, in terms of government specifically, during the coronavirus crisis, we are giving an additional 750 million to charities. And that's going to be roughly apportioned half of it to large charities and half of it to smaller charities who can apply locally through the equivalent of the lottery fund. So we are very well aware of the fact that charities have got an increased burden in terms of they've got more need from people, but at the same time, they don't have people running the marathon or doing charity fundraisers. Um, I myself have been involved in a lot of local charities. So this morning, I actually went to Age UK, who are running a fabulous distribution centre with Victoria, Armadar. They're, they're, they're one of the charities that, that are being funded, aren't they, through the Kenyans and the Chelsea Foundation? They are, and, and through LMAX, actually, as well. Yeah, and they're doing just a phenomenal job. They're working out of the Almanar Mosque and they're working very much so in tandem with Almanar. And what they are doing is they're putting together food packages, they're distributing those. 
Uh, I'm a former banker, and I've got to say, this was such a professional operation. I'm sure L Max would be proud of it. So, uh, very, very impressive. Uh, the week before I went to the Venture Centre, which runs a food bank. Um, in the past, I've been involved with Rugby Portobello Trust. So there's no question that what our local communities are doing is phenomenal. And coronavirus is a very, very difficult time. Uh, but in the same way as we're seeing the worst of this illness, it's also bringing out, in some ways, the best of us as a local community. So I want to thank El Max and the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation. And, and Victoria, so, so tell us a little bit more, a bit more about how you're responding to particular groups within within the local area. You, you talked a little bit about isolation and, and, and vulnerable individuals, and the area does have quite a high proportion of, of single dwellers, doesn't it? That's right. Yes, it has the. It actually has the highest number of single-person households in the whole country. Um, and then when you look at the elderly population, we've got 61% of people aged over 65 living alone. So that's a really significant number. And of course, those people are isolating. Um, they may have mobility issues. They may have all kinds of other issues. And what we would normally be doing is trying to mitigate the mental health impact of, of being isolated by bringing people together. And we can't do that at the moment. Um, so we're supporting charities apart from um, delivering food and essential supplies, which is critical. We're also supporting them to adapt their services so that they're able to contact people digitally or by phone, offer other ways to get involved and kind of keep some kind of social network going because it is looking like older people will be isolating for the longest. However, the lockdown ends, it's likely to be phased and it's likely to be older people that are, are in lockdown for longer. So that's been kind of one phase, but we're also starting to look at and think about um, the longer term impacts of this. So we can see already um, really serious impact in terms of loss of earnings, um, people losing their jobs um, around, around the boroughs. So we've supported a food distribution network that's for under 65s who are in financial hardship, and we're expecting to see quite high demand for that. Um, but then in the longer term, we'll be looking at our skills and employment program um, and seeing how we can support people with advice and guidance on getting back into work. But the impact of this is, is going to be really significant and it's difficult to predict all the different ways it's going to affect the borough. But I think it's, it's safe to say from what we've seen so far, every pre-existing social problem has been exacerbated by this. So it's going to need a lot of time and a lot of money to try and solve these problems. And I think, Victoria, that you make a very important point that it's not just about delivery of food and medicines. Mm -hmm. It's also about engaging people. So HUK were telling me this morning that one of their big concerns is older people with dementia and how do they keep those people engaged. So, for instance, they are sending out packets of seeds that you can plant in like a flower pot and then someone will call these older people with dementia and say, have you planted the seeds? Are they growing like cress? 
and really trying to engage people. And I think that hands-on delivery is very important. They were also telling me that they're doing French classes. Holland Park Opera is streaming to old people. Uh, they're doing cooking classes. I probably need to participate, but really engaged. So that's brilliant. And David, from, from your perspective, um, as Victoria mentioned, the skills and training point is, is going to be a big challenge coming out of this crisis. Uh, as someone that's obviously been very successful in growing a global business, what, what are some of the things you think policymakers could, could, could learn from the private sector in terms of re-engaging, retraining people uh, and, and really planning now for, for some of, the, uh, for, for some of the, the job losses that we're likely to see? Wow, that's a big question. Uh, I've certainly never, uh, <laughs> never, never dreamt of becoming a politician because they are big questions. But <laughs> I mean, what I'd say is, um, for my sins, I've been around financial services for 30 years. You know, I started off in the back office of banks. Everything was paper-based. You know, I remember learning about email, learning about spreadsheets. But now everyone in my company is effectively a technologist. So the back office, we call it market operations. That's kind of where I started. It was all very paper-based. Now these guys have to understand things which, let's just say they have to understand fixed protocol. Um, this is, I, I, asked, I asked the youngsters, how did you learn that? And they said, oh, I just read the manual. But more and more really? technology read the, the manuals? Forward. Yeah, correct. Um, <laughs> you know, how many manuals have you ever read, David? <laughs> you don't like a man that reads manuals. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I skipped that. I learned on the job, right? So uh, it was all backslash for uh, Excel and Lotus One Two Three back in the day. But um, you know, if you look at if you look around, I think something which is a weakness in the UK, and um, I'm sure both Victoria and Felicity are aware of this. You know, I'm still struggling to find. Um, if you like, female talent to come into this tech sector. Uh, I was at a graduation ceremony recently and it was only 10% of the engineers that graduated were female. So I think there's policies going on and you can't fix it overnight. Um, but I believe there are, there are policies in place to, to change that. And certainly we have great British talent here. Um, we also have a very eclectic workforce both at LMAX and in and in in London. I mean, I think I have over 30 nationalities working here. But wouldn't it be great if a lot of these engineers and new engineers were homegrown? Imagine if they were homegrown in Kensington and Chelsea, um, and imagine if there was more of a a mix that represented the society we live in. Be that be that um, race or creed or or sex for that matter. So. Um, Let's, let's start now. I think we're doing it. I see that mix now with our apprenticeship scheme, um, but I'd love to see more of it going forward. And, you know, if there's any kids watching this, I doubt they'll watch this. This isn't for, or listen to this. It won't be the most exciting thing for them during this lockdown. But it's, uh, yeah, do your maths, do your science. And guess what, parents? Playing those computer games isn't so bad. Right? <laughs> I have a guy here working in infrastructure. I think he's about 19. But basically, he just jumped ahead of his, his peers and started hosting multi, uh, multiplayer games. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'd say he's one of our more proficient network engineers at a very young age because of how he started computer gaming.
Well, David, I've got to say what you are doing with the apprenticeship scheme is phenomenal. And I agree with you that we've got to be way more creative as to how we look at business. And I do think if there's anything positive that can come out of this crisis, it is a time to readjust and reset. You know, I'm very, very focused on the environment, for instance. And I think that we can all physically see that pollution is down in Kensington and Chelsea because we don't have as many cars on the roads. So I do think it is a time to readjust, but I completely take your point about women being empowered. I did maths and physics. I went to school in Scotland, so I didn't do A-levels, but I did the equivalent and I was very, very unusual at the time, but I didn't pursue a career in science. So I'm very much so into empowering everyone and that's not only, as you say, sex, race, it's also your socio-demographic background. And Boris Johnson actually says very, very well that talent in this country is equally distributed, but opportunity isn't necessarily equally distributed. And it's a, it's a very good point. And Victoria, in terms of the local area, um, you know, that polarisation between you know, people that have had opportunities and do have opportunities and, and people that don't. You know, as someone that, that's working on the ground with, with people helping those in need, what are some of the things that, that we really need to consider that, that we haven't properly considered up until this point? I mean, I think it starts so early. Um, some of the issues Felicity mentioned um, earlier on that were important priorities for her are all interlinked so when we talk to local schools who have very very high um numbers of children on free school meals in fact the one i'm thinking of has three times the national average um and we're talking to them about the performance of those children that there's obviously unsurprisingly a correlation those kids do not perform well academically and when you dig into that there's a number of reasons some of it's lack of food um, not being able to concentrate because they're hungry. Some of it's going back to really overcrowded accommodation. So there's no opportunity to do homework. There's no desk, there's no computer, there's no peace and quiet. And actually compounding that in some cases, those children are expected to do childcare when they get home, look after younger children. So all those things mixed together um, in quite a complicated way to mean it's not as simple enough as just kind of finding a course for somebody to go on. They have to have a whole range of things working um, for them to enable them to make the most of opportunities. But I think opportunities for women and girls is particularly interesting. Um, and we've been talking to the newly merged Morley College, um, which has got a site in North Kensington and is going through a refurbishment process about how the courses that it will be offering at the end of that can be more balanced to make sure that if there are tech courses and science courses, they are equally kind of balanced between um, young men as young women and that's something we'd be really keen to keep um, working with them on. I'm on the stakeholder advisory group for that and whether that means um, running women only courses or subsidising childcare there might be lots of different reasons why women aren't signing up to those courses and we need to really understand what they are and make sure we remove some of those barriers. And David, from, from your perspective um, obviously you know, there, there are a heap of different issues that, that exist locally what I mean, what what can we do? Uh, you know, I, I guess w are there any other ways that the, the business 
businesses, sorry, as, as the token businessman on this on this uh, on this discussion, you, you'll, you'll just be asked all the business questions. Okay, but I'm sure that's fine. Um, but, but but are there other things that the business sector can do to help the, to help charities right now? Because I mean, one of the other issues we're going to have coming out of this, you know, with no London Marathon, with no summer fates and 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 flower shows and all of the other things that, that would that would happen right now raising money for charities none of this stuff is happening so that it's not only a, a a desperate an acute need right now to help people but there's going to be a massive hole in the balance sheets of, of these of these charities so i i'm just wondering if you know are, do you think people are aware of that do you think people i mean it, obviously there's there's a hell of a lot of uh, problems right now but uh, do you think people are stopping to consider that and, and if and when they do, what do you think businesses can can come together to do on the, over you know over the medium longer term? Because there's going to be a huge shortfall that needs to be addressed, not just financially, but in terms of technology and, and, and staff and skills and, and just broader support that goes beyond simply you know writing a check, which is you know which obviously is fantastic, but that there are many as victorious as many other things that, that will need to be uh, that charities will need support with, whether it is tech, whether it is. Uh, and you're having people on hand to to help and, and, and everything else. Yeah, good point. And I think the uh, the timing is key. I mean, it's very it's very popular at the moment to go out at eight o'clock and, and you know applaud our NHS workers and carers. But we should remember that going forward. Mm. You must also remember, though, it's a very challenging time for most businesses. You know, we're fortunate. We're part of, at LMAX Group, we're part of essential uh, financial markets infrastructure, so we have to stay open. The government asks us to stay open. Our regulator, the FCA, asks us to stay open. We stay open. My, my first obligation really is to the employees and staff and families of LMAX Group. Um, you know, we have stood behind them. No one's been affected. Um, only 5% have to come to the office at any one time. No one uses public transport. No one's been furloughed. We've had to use no government grants, but it's likewise we did we did see this need in our borough, and we saw this need in charity. So, you know, we stepped up. I hope more businesses will do the same, but not all of them can. So, if they can't give money, they can give time. I mean, there's a lot of lawyers out there, for example, I know are giving giving their time pro bono. Um, and those lawyers have clients, don't they, David? As well, let's be honest. Say that again. Those lawyers have clients. They've all got networks, so people can use their networks. So that's it. And I mean, people reached out to me. I, you know, I mentioned something we were doing with the, the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital and and the tablets. And I have friends at big tech companies, and I know they've already done it. And I know that they've uh, you know they've made various pledges to donate tablets and technology devices. Maybe I can. Um, work with my with my clients maybe i can work with my tech suppliers down the line to to aid charities i mean short term if you can write a check write a check um, if you can't write a check do the 2.6 miles or 26 miles mm -hmm. or whatever it takes you know embark on something but let's let's commit to this long term because and felicity knows this the government knows this the world knows this we're not going to get over this quickly Right. Economically, it's going to take years to get over it. And the charity sector will also take years to recover. Um, I mean, what, what about something? What about the support they've given? But, um, you know, we we as a population are going to have to going to have to commit to this for longer than three weeks, six weeks or six months. 
Okay, but what about something radical, like like half a percentage point onto corporation tax that goes to charities? Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, honestly, um, I call it the NHS one. Let's go for it. I mean, you've got number one on your list if you want to raise the petition, right? LMAX Group will sign up now, mm-hmm. right? You can add 1% to my corporation tax. I'll sign now, okay, to do that. As long as the businesses have control of where it goes, right? An approved list of charities, let's do it. And let's have an opt-in for employees. Likewise, I'm an employee as well, as a business owner. I'll opt into that as well. Um, let's do it. And let's direct it to the people in need. Let's direct it to the localities. Let's direct it to the, um, to the carers and the NHS staff. And whilst I'm there, why don't, why don't we go for it, right? If you, if you look at the stimulus packages, there's one and a half million people employed by the NHS. Well, okay. Why don't we give them all £2,000 now, right? I'll do the mass fee that's £300 million. That's, that's nothing, right? Um, that's less than 10% of the stimulus, uh, of, of less than 1%, sorry, of the stimulus package issue. Let's do that now, and then let's give them a long-term pay rise as well. Um, it's very, as, as you say, it's very easy to go out on a Thursday night and clap, but if we're that committed yeah. to the NHS... Um, you know, it, it, we should be supporting them really in in a you know day to day basis. Um, let's do it. Let's really go for it. I do think it's very interesting when you look at the new definitions of key workers. You know, it's very different to what we would have thought about two years ago. You know, key workers are, for instance, our bin men who are doing a fabulous job, certainly where I live in Kensington and Chelsea. So I do think that this crisis is going to make us think very, very differently, like coming out of the world wars. You know, we did go through a reassessment as to how we wanted to look as a society. And I completely agree with David that we need to be at the forefront of that. I would also like to say to David that I'm very conscious that businesses are going through a very uncertain time at the moment. If you look at stock market valuations, property valuations, so that's what makes his commitment and his donation even more powerful. And, and Victoria, what, what, what difference do you think it would make to charitable foundations and, and community groups across the country if we did something radical like added a percentage point to corporation tax for charities as, as David has just signed up to do. <laughs> I, think, I think what's interesting about that is the issue of financial security. So particularly for the smaller local partners that we work with, they're, they're hand to mouth every year. Every year you start with nothing, you, you write your fundraising plan and, and you try and bring that money in for your work. And there's no financial security whatsoever. If something like this... What, what, does, that, what does that mean? So explain in, in, in very simple terms what that means for you, uh, uh, you know, so, running... So in our case, for example, we're not one of those organisations that has a huge endowment um, that just sits there and earns us money and we, we decide how to spend that and deploy that. Um, we have to raise everything that we want to spend. Um, and we plan that out really carefully based on what's worked um, in previous years, what's most cost effective. Um, but a crisis like this makes a lot of that activity that you were budgeting for impossible to deliver. Um, now, we're really lucky that we have some, some big funders, private funders, who fund our core costs, so we haven't had to furlough any of our staff. So people like Cadogan and one of those backers, aren't they? Exactly, Cadogan and Rousing Trust um, and Martin's Properties um, and City Bridge Trust. But most, most charities we're talking to have had to furlough staff and a lot of those staff are fundraisers. So there's going to be a huge hole 
in those budgets later on. And simultaneously, we're hearing that post-lockdown, a lot of the charities are expecting a huge spike in um, need for their services. So there are lots of women in abusive households at the moment who cannot make calls to domestic violence helplines because their abuser is sitting right next to them on the sofa. So as soon as those guys are going back to work, there'll be a huge increase in need for those services. Similarly, I was talking yesterday to our partners that work on um, local gang crime issues. And they're saying that at the moment, the demand for recreational drugs has just completely dried up. So all the gangs are competing to um, supply a kind of small group of hardcore addicts and they've got all this surplus product. As soon as lockdown's over, they're all going to try and shift that product really quickly, which means more competition and more violence. And at the same time as that's happening, you've got increased unemployment. So more young people are going to be tempted um, to join gangs and, and use crime, gang crime as a way to make money. So all these issues are only just going to start scratching the surface when lockdown finishes and we're thinking, oh, it's all over. This is great. No, it's not. It's just the beginning. Um, so we're, we're concerned about those charities having an increase in need at the same time as they have a, a deficit in funds. And, and Felicity, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to make up tax policy on the spot. That one. <laughs> I'm happy to do so, but I, I just David don't have the power to implement it. We'll give him Richie Sunak's rise. Felicity, yeah, you, you could well be in number 11 by the end of the year. Um, <laughs> so so let, let, let's, let's preempt that. But, but look, on, on a more serious note, Victoria's obviously raised a, a number of, of extremely pertinent points there. I, I mean, obviously, the, the government is, is having to respond on a daily basis to all sorts of things at the minute. But but as we start to, to think about the medium-term response, what ways do you think policymakers can engage with with, with organisations like Kendrick and Chelsea Foundation to, to try and get some kind of grip on, on, on the myriad issues that, that Victoria's outlined? Well, I would say as a first thing that I think that we've got a great collaborative relationship, whether it's Kensington and Chelsea Foundation, the council, me as an MP, are amazing donors. So I think that all works very, very well. I think the most important thing actually is that as an economy, we come out of this strongly so that we have a V-shaped recovery, because it's only with a strong recovery that we actually have the tax revenue to pay for what we want to do. And also it's only with a strong recovery that we have philanthropists who are able to donate to charities. And again, only with a strong recovery will people be in jobs. So that is very important. But clearly government has got a very difficult job at the moment to finesse the intention and the desire to protect people by shielding them and their houses versus getting the economy back moving again. And that is something that we're going to have to adjust day in, day out. So just, just to bring things to a close, it's a, just some final thoughts, David, from you. What's been one of the most inspirational things that you've taken away from the last month or so? Clearly, you know, that there's been a, a lot of a lot of good has come out of a bad situation. Give us one or two of the, of the most inspirational things that you've experienced. I think the togetherness is key. I mean, both Victoria and Felicity mentioned it. I see it in, you know, I'm lucky I, I live and work in this community, in this borough, and I see it around me, and I, I sense much more community spirit than I sensed before. Perhaps maybe only at Notting Hill Carnival, 
did I see that community spirit before? Don't get me wrong, not everyone loves the carnival, and we might, we might lose it this year, but I really see it, you know, everyone's out on the curbside on, of a Thursday evening. That's heartening. And I see a lot of people trying to help. I see youngsters in, in my place, you know, and they're not all fat cats who work in the city, right? These are, are youngsters one or two years out of school or one or two years out of university, and they've joined the NHS volunteer scheme. So mm. I think that's, that's been phenomenal. I think, um, obviously, the NHS staff themselves, the carers, putting themselves in the front line, not forgetting the guys, you know, on the street corners running the corner shops not just in the big supermarket brands right they have less space they have less isolation they have less access to whatever it is gloves or sanitizer but they're keeping the community going um, i just love it if we could somehow bridge this inequality gap I mean, i go back to it you know it, it breaks my heart when i look at the youth um not provided with opportunity in this borough when I know we can do it. And what all I'd say there is, you know, we have a lot of good in the borough. Let's celebrate the success of the borough. Let's celebrate the diversity of the borough. Let's celebrate the cultural mix we have here. And probably it's not gonna be listening to an old gray head fellow like me. You know, there's pop stars who live in the live in the borough, right? There's tech stars who live in the borough. There's great artists who live in the borough. So let's try and inspire the youth and Take them away from the hands of the uh, of the gangs or the gang leaders, because sometimes that seems to be just the last option for them. So I think if we can build on this community spirit and celebrate the success, then we have a chance of of dragging everyone up and uh, dragging everyone up and helping to bridge this divide we see today. It's an inspiring thought, sir, from from David Victoria. Just just before we finish. Um, a couple of takeaways from you then on on what what needs to happen next what what you know what is the call to action that you would like to make to businesses like l max group and and to others in the area and across london as, as david said i think you know if, if there has been a positive thing uh coming out of this crisis it, it has been the sense of togetherness and and we've seen for the second time actually the borough really coming together um people who knew us and were supporting us already, offering um, to see what more they could do, and people who were completely new to us coming and offering and, and just saying, you know, what would be helpful? Um, and then we get unprecedented uh, donations from, from companies like Elmax who just really blew us away with their generosity. And that, that gives us all hope, I think, and, and makes us think there are so many great people and great businesses in this borough who want to change it for the better. There has to be a way that we can do this. And I think it sets us all the challenge um, of not giving up and of working together to try and find solutions for the future. And I hope, as, as David says, I hope that we, we don't ever stop clapping on a Thursday. I mean, literally, we'll have to stop clapping on a Thursday at some point. <laughs> but I hope we don't forget who those key workers were. Once, once this kind of feels like it's behind us, I hope we don't forget the lessons that we've learned from it and we start really trying to focus, um, focus on those people in the future. Well, it's a fantastic place to leave it. Thank you to Victoria Stewart-Todd from the Kensington and Chelsea Foundation, to David Mercer from LMAX Group, and from Felicity Buchan, MP for Kensington and Chelsea. 
And there you have it, a really positive story about how local businesses are working with the charity sector across London to help respond to the COVID-19 uh, trauma that many, many are experiencing right now. Now, I was joined by David Mercer, who's the Chief Executive at LMAX Group, by Victoria Stewart-Todd, Director at Kensington Chelsea Foundation and Conservative MP for Kensington, Felicity Buchan. Now, if you'd like to get involved to support the Kensington Chelsea Foundation in any way, please just go to the kncfoundation.com. That's the kncfoundation.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date with our PropCast, please just search PropCast, that's P-O-R-P-C-A-S-T, on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast delivery services. Thanks very much for listening. I've been Andrew Teacher at Blackstock Consulting. Thank you.